0: This is a chazar of this year from Shabbos, Kaibis, Pashas, Nas. We learned that there are two nuskhaus, two ways of looking at oneself, of understanding the relationship between one's guf, one's body, and one's nishan. And depending upon which nuskha a person chooses in his life, depending upon that, everything in his life will be determined by that choice that he makes. And that is the issue that we were discussing last week, of reorienting oneself, a change in Tfisa, the Tfisa of oneself. the Tfisa of a person. It's completely different. Let's just review that last paragraph on page Ayin Hey, where we were up, where we finished last Shabbos. Nuzchari there are two ways. In the, in the little bit higher than the middle of the page. Nus Cheri page Ayin Hey, Guf The first way of looking at oneself, which which is the most popular way, is Guf when a person looks at himself essentially as being a physical organism, as being a Guf, a very nice one, with feelings and thoughts and a, and a past and a present and a future, but Guf. Essentially, a guf, shebasaycha neshama. This person's main way of identifying himself is as a goof. Of course, he knows that ela shebasaycha guf gam neshama. Certainly, he's aware that there's something intangible, there's something spiritual inside of him. He understands that, but... As far as how does he look at life, how does he identify himself? Essentially the Zihui is with the Guf. The Guf that's in that has a Nishama inside someplace. <laughs> Nushashmiya, the the second nuskh is Nishama Nishama shemulbash Allah This second way of looking at oneself, which is much less common is is a nishama shemulbash alaha guf, where the person sees himself essentially through the eyes of the nishama. The ikr is the nishama. The nishama is enclosed in a body. Clima ha'adam mizuha imha nishama. That's how he identifies himself. That's what is the ikr of his life. Elisha al nishma Upon his neshama, there is this lavush, there is this covering, this garment, which is necessary during our 120 years. This is called the guth. Let us think about this. This is where we ended last Shabbos. Is there any normal person that identifies himself and sees his entire existence as being defined by a shirt that he's wearing. Vesh. We understand that the way that a person dresses, he is making some sort of a statement about the way he's trying to appear to others. But it would take it would take only God forbid a person who is not healthy to actually identify his personality and his essence. It's one thing to dress up. Children dress up. They love dressing up. Adults, occasionally, you know, to dress up, to make believe. But a person who begins to think, God forbid, that the way that he's dressed is who he is, that's already something which, of course, is not, is not healthy. The outfit that you were dressed up in during the day, by the night, it's already in the washing machine. And in the morning, the person is wearing a new shirt. We're continuing. Certainly, a person, to some degree, as I said, a, to some degree, a person can't help but identifying with his levushim, with the garments, and a person can't help but see his physical life as something which affects him, which influences him, which is important. Of course, the levushim. We know this is a very big subject in psychology that a person, let's say, who's wearing a very, very nice suit or somebody who's wearing if that same person one day is wearing a very beautiful suit or the next day that same person is wearing, God forbid, is wearing torn clothing, shmatis. We understand. It has, there's no question that it, it has an effect upon a person emotionally. He feels different. But to the degree that the person begins to see himself and to delude himself into thinking that he is the person that is, you know, he, he was able to borrow from somebody. Where he was able to rent, you know, a thousand dollar suit. and thousand dollar suit, probably a galacha. Like he was able to rent a three, 000, four thousand dollar suit, or to borrow that suit. And and even though he himself is unfortunately a poor person, for, that for the day he was able to have this magnificent suit. So even though at the end of the day, you know, he tries to say to go to sleep in this and wear this for a few days, this suit because it makes him feel good. At some point, even if they have to tear it off his back, lemaiseh. The suit is not the man. Even though they might try to sell that in Madison Avenue, that the suit is the person, or what you wear is who you are, that of course is... There's a very, very great distance in the life of a normal person between who the person is and what the person is wearing. A healthy person sees himself as Chaim Yonkel, or Beryl, or Shmerl, or Sarifka Rocha who's wearing this outfit. But I know, I, I feel good when I wear this outfit. Uh, and I, if I put on a clown suit, I feel funny. And if I put on, if I put on uh, you know, my, my baseball uniform, I feel like I could hit the ball further. But Lemaiz, at the end of the day, it goes in the washing machine, and this is who I am. Many times over the years I've, I've told the funny story, it's funny and sad the story that uh, from one of, the, one of the fictitious stories, Michach Mechelm, from the, that, I don't know all of these things, you know, how they started and who, who began telling jokes about Jews from the, from the great city of Chelm. But it doesn't make a difference how it started. When I see many of them are very, very, uh, are very funny. And, and in the funniness, in the humor, there's something very real and very touching I've always found. And there's a there's a famous story that i told over the years about a Yid in Chelm who had a terrible, terrible dilemma. He was very upset and he went running to the Rav and he says, Rebbe, he says, a terrible, terrible thing happened. He says, what what's wrong? He says, a terrible thing. He says that I always thought that I'm Yankala. So Rebbe says, yes, or so what? You're not Yankala. He'll tell you the truth what happened is that I... I was uh, I was in for the other day, and everybody was getting ready and going, walking around without their clothing, and and I suddenly had this terrible thought that oh my, everybody looks pretty much the same, Everybody's the people walking around, and I had this thought that maybe I'm not Yankalu, or maybe this is not me. So ever since then, I'm very, very worried that maybe I'm not me. So the rabbit says, it's a, it's a very serious thing, it's important that you know who you are, so the Rebbe took out from his pocket a little, a little red string, and he told Yankel, "Listen, take this and tie it around your ankle. And whenever you go to the mikveh, when you go to the mikveh and you're walking around over there and you see other, you see other Yidin, and you begin to get nervous that maybe it's not you, so when you look down and you see that there's a little, the little red string on your ankle, then you'll know that it's you. So you don't have to worry." So he was very excited. And he and he ran home and he put on the string, and it was going very well for a couple of weeks. Sometimes it happened he would come out from the mikvah and he would have this sudden panic attack where he saw other yidden and everybody looks like they were they, they were the same, and then but then he would look down and he would see in his ankle, he would see the the little string and he said Oh Baruch Hashem it's, that, it's me. But then a terrible thing happened it was inevitable. But one day when he was in the water, so it must have happened that it slipped off the little string slipped off, and it went up to some other Jew's ankle. And, and, and when he came out from the mikveh, and he's drying himself off, so he, he had that sudden feeling of pachat, of, of panic, that maybe I'm not Yankala. So, he, so then he wanted to reassure himself and looked down at his, at his foot. And lo and behold, that which he always dreaded actually took place, and uh, there was nothing on his foot. And worse, worse than that, Worse than that, he looked around, and he and, and he didn't know what to do. He looked around, and he saw that this string is on some other person's foot, and he ran over. He ran over to that Jew that had the string on his foot, and he said, "He says, listen, I know who you are, but please, can you tell me who I am? Can you tell me who I am?" The sadness of that story is that the, is that many, many, many people. Many people, I think it's safe to say that most people are not very different from. From uh, Yankala, that most people in the world, most people in life, will at, will at some point begin to identify themselves by the little red string that they're wearing around their ankle. Whether that little red string means by the job they have, or the little red string means by the by the suit they're wearing, or the person that they're impersonating, whatever it might be, that little red, that little red string with a person. When a person identifies himself by by something other than who he is, that is a Zihui of a person with his guf. When a person when a person identifies himself by anything other than his neshama, it's no less tragic and sad and pathetic than the, than the story of of, of, the, of this little Jew in Chelm. And that's what Rav Schwartz is explaining. He says, When we look at ourselves, When we look at ourselves as a Metsius of a neshama a Metsius of a neshama that's enclosed in the body, it's me, it's Yanko. I, I, it's me, it's Yanko. My body is not me. So even if there are other people looking it like me, to identify myself by the body, or to identify identify myself by a little red string, that's not me. Who is me? i That's mulbeshes besoich That's enclosed in a body. When a person looks at himself that way, then Then the way that the person sees himself is vastly different. From the way that we normally look at ourselves, unfortunately the way that we normally see ourselves is a guf as a body as a body that contains a neshama. We identify ourselves by our suits, by our red strings, by other things other than the neshama, by the world of the goof. I said at the very beginning, I'm not coming here in this Sefer to share with you some new insights and ideas. These are not stam ideas. I'm coming here and trying to express, trying to convey to you a world. That a person can actually feel, that a person can actually live. Lahargish the that there's a world to live, to breathe that world. and that this world that we're going to that we're talking about, the Olam Hanasham of who I am, it's not only is it not less real, but it's more real. From the world that we've always, that we've always uh, identified ourselves with, from the world that we recognize, the world of the guf. of a Inside each and every one of us, each person has a neshama and a guf. Ha ruchanis. The neshama is a reality. It's a reality that's ruchanis. that's spiritual. gashmis. And the guf is a physical reality. Is there any normal person who would question whether or not his body is truly existing, whether there's any substance to his body, whether there's something that does or doesn't exist? Every single person is 100% certain that his body exists beyond beyond any question beyond any doubt. On the other hand, if we ask a person, we ask, we're talking about asking a a, a Jew who shemimitzus, and you ask this person, are you misupik? Are you in doubt? Are you uncertain as to whether the neshama is a mitzias mukhlatis Mamashis? Do you have any question of whether the neshama actually, actually exists? that it has substance, it's real. Do you have any question? Do you have any Sufic yana? No. Of course, any any religious person would say, any religious person would say, absolutely not. I know and I believe, even though I can't see it or touch it, I know and I believe that it's a metzies mamashis, that of course it exists. In the next page, I involve. However, if we ask the person, Yes, but tell me the truth. (coughs) You just said very emphatically and very clearly that the 1,000,000% you're certain that the Neshama exists. And the Neshama is real. It's not a concept. It's not an idea. It's real. Do you feel that? Do you experience that? Do you live it? Do you breathe it? As a Mitziyah Mamoshah? not as a concept or as an idea. But you live it as a Mitziyah Mamoshah? <clears throat> in this case the answer to that question is usually see the one of two the person the person will either say "Lo, no, honestly I know I'm a religious Jew but the truth is I don't feel I don't feel the mamoshes I don't feel the mamoshes of that thing that's called the neshama. I don't know what it is. And I don't know what it means to feel that. I don't. Oh, halavai. Or a more of a dreamy, hopeful, um, spiritual type would answer halavai. I would like to. Halavai, I wish I could. I wish I could. As I mentioned on Shabbos that halavai says in as Eliyahu. And the same way that all of us believe one million percent in the Shekh. And we believe one million percent that Eliyahu Anarbi is going to come, and we've heard it, and we accept it, and we believe it, and we know that it's true. But but that feeling that we have, Halavai, uh, meaning even though we know that it's true, and we believe it, but we're all going to be very, very shocked and pleasantly surprised when Eliyahu Anarbi is actually going to come, we're all going to stand around him and and want to touch him and feel him, and to say, is that really you, Elyon? Is that really you? Halavai. Halavai. The more hopeful person would like to feel his neshama, would like to touch and be touched by his neshama. But honestly, do I live in that? Do I feel that? No. It's an idea. It's a concept. something that I believe in. But I'm not living. I'm living a life of the guf. Which is... The antithesis of the, of the Rats and Hashem, as far as who we are and how we're supposed to live in this world. Now to understand this on a deeper level and to bring it home, we're going to learn something now on I Vav, we're going to learn something that is, is, is not pleasant. It's not pleasant. Because time that the subject of death is discussed, obviously it's unpleasant. And especially, especially when we um, talk about some of the unpleasantness that takes place after death. So one of those stages that most people have to go through is called, in the language of the Chachamim, Chibut or the turmoil or the upheaval of the grave. What does that mean? When we learn this, we'll understand at a very, very deep level. What does it mean to identify with, it, as opposed to knowing or believing in, but to actually live in the reality of the nesham? The truth is, each and every one of us, whether we want to, whether we like it or not, is going to pass through. That transition from guf to neshama, from body to soul. With the exception of those, we know that there are people, there are such an Indian, but we shouldn't hold our breaths. With the exception of very few, there comes a point where there's a separation between the neshama and the guf, and that the guf is left behind, where the transition is made. Masai, when? When a person dies, and the neshama, the neshama leaves the guf. So you see the little red string drifting off. You see the little red string, or, or whatever your red string was, but it's gone. At this point, he can no longer identify himself as a guf, as the red string. sham kazoo. Because there is no longer such a mitziyis. He's died. The guf no longer exists. The body is gone. And he cannot anymore claim to be that guf. There is no longer any guf. He push it and then aaka is it simply doesn't exist. it simply does not exist. mountain so each and every one of us knows that that's inevitable. even though we would like to be like that, the comedian who said that I know that I, I know that I have to die one day I just don't want to be there when it happens. but the truth is that not only does each person eventually leave the world but he's also there when it happens. Listen to how Schwartz explains. On the simplest level, enough to cause each and every one of us to have nightmares. What is it What the person waits? L'SHAAS MISAS. In other words, his philosophy of life is, look, that's going to happen eventually. I understand. There's going to be some disengagement between the the guf and the neshama, between the body and the soul. Right now, all I know is my guf. And this is the world that I'm in. I'll deal with that problem later on. But right now, this is what I have. I will im mamtin rak which is the way most people live and most people die. The person waits till the hour of death, for the time of death, The process of waking up without the body and changing one's way of seeing oneself and going through that transition to the world of the neshamas is very, very painful and difficult. Fortunately, Rav Schwartz does not go into the descriptions that we have in Meseches, Chibud HaKever, in other places, in Reish's Chachma and other Svarim, that describe in very great detail the horrors of that reawakening. Talichum Koshin. It's difficult. It's painful. The person is to let him go, even if it means let me just get to Gehenna. You know what I mean? That's, that's how not good it is. It'd be to get the geheimen. Just let me add of this situation of Chibut The the This pain this pain is called chibut Hakev. You know how people are so afraid that we spoke about this last Shabbos Even small changes. Leaving one job you've been in, going to another job. You spoke about the change from being single to being married. Changes transitions that take time till a person adjusts and is able to become comfortable where he is, but this transition, the transition from goof to neshama, from life to death, is described as chibut hakavan. Ma hakavana, chibut What is the meaning of this turmoil? of this upheaval that a person goes through. It's called Khibuta Kev. Shinui who you Changing one's way of seeing oneself causes pain and suffering. Vineetan Dugma Pshuta, we want to use a simple example. His Karnu Lael we learned Last Shabbos, we were talking about a very pleasant example. And even though it's pleasant, there are a lot of problems with it. The pleasant example is We were talking last week about the bachelor, the single guy. Who was finally able to settle down and get married. And many, many couples don't make it through that transition time because of the difficulty because of the because of the change, because the Chasm or the Kala were not living in that world of Chasm Kala understandably before the Khasna. They weren't thinking, living or breathing it. Even though they theoretically know that life will be different when they're married, we know that many actually don't make it through that transition. Or there are those who are living in that transition for 30 40 50 years some end the marriage others just continue continue torturing each other and themselves so that's not so easy but at least it's a pleasant it's a pleasant example of a life change <laughs> whoever has gone through that knows that that's a, a pleasant change of identity it's a pleasant change of identity sas kaishi of Schwartz is being very nice about it Tsas kaishi it is there is some difficulty I Daima here but with two mature uh, m- mature kind and good people the difficulties usually uh, end very quickly hopefully in a good way and uh, and they're able to make the adjustment and to re and to reorient themselves and to adjust to that new mitzies, which is an entirely new mitzies, as we spoke about last Shabbos. I'm married. And all of that means, same thing we were talking about last week, the woman who, who now has to adjust to being a mother. <coughs> it's a different mitzius. Again, she's holding on to her to her, uh, her teenage mitzius. She's holding on to it. And the longer she holds on the harder it is to let go and the more painful it is to be a mother. But we hope that at some point, at some point, sooner than later, the, the little girl becomes a mommy and she accepts that and she's able to actually enjoy it very much. Lolo In most cases, we hope, it doesn't take really much time. Let's use, however, an example from this world, which is not so pleasant. Because with a chasmakala, there it's a new identity that comes from being together with somebody, which is pleasant, because we all want companionship, we all want friendship and love and so on. But there's another kind of a change in life. A woman who was married, and she's now a widow. Hazihui Shalah Shinyasa Almana This change in her way of seeing herself, the Mitsias is that she's now an Almana, she's a widow. And she's lonely. That's the Mitssius. She's by herself. And everybody could come around and, you know, it was busy. It was labor during uh, Shiva and the children were going to come. Everybody's coming. We're going to come Don't worry. It's going to be good. It's going to be all right. We'll be with you. But Lamaisa, Lamaisa, Shiva's over and the children, the grandchildren are busy. Even though they see themselves as being devoted children and grandchildren, there are a lot of empty spaces, a lot of empty spaces, in the Alamana's life. It's a very, very, difficult transition whoever knows this first hand knows very clearly in her mind it's absolutely clear to her I, ha- I no longer have a husband from the grave people don't come back from the grave <coughs> until <coughs> she can go there every Monday and Thursday and she could cry and she could say she could say, she could say and she could say and all those who see her would cry with her but until she's a widow and the husband's not coming out from that place and that's the finality of it. Is something which is unbearable for many, many people. So even though, even though she knows that there's going to be a tchiasa meisim, when it comes day to day life, day to day life it's very hard for her. To change her identity as a single woman, to see herself as a single woman. You're talking about 40, 50, 60, 70 years. Every single feeling, sharing, thought, sharing, every, every, every meal, every moment that you don't see yourself as, as a separate person, but as a couple. Remember, there was some years ago. There was a family friend of my parents' friends. There, I go back. Uh, my parents, my father's family, yet from Hungary. And I remember that um, that when her husband was, her, which I grew up, we grew up like it was. They're not mishpacha, but it was. It was like it was like uh, they were like second parents to, to myself and my sister. And there's a thought that I, I come back to very often. I remember by the Levaya that her, her, um, her husband, my father's friend, uh, he wasn't well for some time, but, uh, but he, he, was a, he died in a very terrible way. And uh, it wasn't, it was never expected, but it, the, the hope was that he was going to live m- many more years. And, uh, so by the Levaya, by the Levaya, I was, I was standing there with her, with the Almana. And and she went back like in time. It was a very very. It was a very unnerving thing for me. She was talking like her husband's alive, and she says she was saying things to me like, you're going to come over, and we're going to we're going to have we're going to be together Shabbos, all of us." And by the by the grave, she was saying this to me that we're going to come over, all of us will be together, which and and I said to her. Well, We're always, all of us are always together, but in a different way. We can't be together the way that it was. And it was like I was a little boy. She was talking to me like I was a little boy. And her kids were there, and she was talking to all of us like it was 30, 40 years ago. It was the the most bizarre thing. And I didn't know what to say. I just was crying. And I said, yeah, okay, I'll come over. We'll all be together. I'm going to come over. Shabbat school. Because we used to live around the corner. I used, to, I used to always go over and they used to come to us. So I said, I'm, I'll come over, okay. Well, I'm going to come over. I was always I like that, like torn to pieces. And a person goes through that. Chai ha lo Elena, what stories that we know about with children, God forbid, a child is nifty, you have, I know of such things, you have a mother that comes in every day. That the mother comes in and she and she uh, and and she puts and she puts uh, clothing. She lays she lays the clothing out for the she lays the clothing out for the for the uh, for the child when the child's no longer alive. So on Shabbos, on Shabbos, I something that I've mentioned over the years many times here in Shul. Some of you have seen it also in writing that there was. Um, by salvation he was very, very deeply attached to his rabbits, todu as, it's well known. And, and he himself told a, a terrible story. His wife, during the last period of her life, was was unable to, was unable to go up and down, was unable to go upstairs to their bedroom. So, so the Rav and the family prepared for her in the den, in the den downstairs in Boston, a, a bedroom. And, and, um, one night, Rabbi Yehshabet said, he was, he was upstairs in the bedroom, and, and there was a cool breeze coming through the window, and he suddenly, he suddenly felt, I I have to go downstairs and close the window because Tanya, my wife, <coughs> is going to Chasasholm um is going to is going to be cold. So so Beashabez said that he put on his robe and he and he went downstairs and he went into his wife's room and when he walked into his room she wasn't there and there was no bed there. Because she had already been there, she passed away a week or two before. And and Abiyashabir when he when he said this over, was telling this story of Naamana and Alman, what it means to change one's way of thinking. Even though intellectually, certainly all of us know that there was nothing lacking in Rosalvechik's intellect. And there's no question that he knew that his wife was no longer in the world. But there's a difference between knowing something as a fact and changing your way of looking at your life. Identifying yourself in a different way. I'm no longer that woman's husband. As a husband, I will doubt over her and cover her with a blanket and close the window and take care of her, and you still want to do that. So that change, that change... It's very hard, just in day-to-day life for her to change her way of thinking and to see herself as a woman that's alone. He for decades. she became used to sharing her life with somebody. hergelzer uprooting that hergo, uprooting that that comfort, uprooting that life that she lived and breathed for 40, 50, 60 years, uprooting that, a life of so many years, it's very, very hard. This is known and obvious and clear to anybody who knows an almana but doesn't just know of an almana but knows uh, very personally has a very close personal connection to an almana When the nishama and the guf, when the and the guf are together when the neshama and the guf are in their state of marriage. Because that's what it is. We know that the Zohar Kodesh says about Avram Avinu and Sarimenu is the neshama and the guf. When the Nishama and the guf are married. When they're together. V'yayim echad ha'adam meis. Then it comes to the day of death. What happens? The milam acheres obviously it's even it's, in, it's much much greater than that it's just a muscle but on the day of death it's like for husband and wife who are being torn one from the other the almana is alone her husband is no longer here I pray the hazu he this separation between the neshama and the guf, between the husband and the wife, is kasha minsai. It's unbearable. Adam sheziha is kola bezihui shelguf. A person who identified himself throughout his life, bezihui shalguf. As this is who I am, a goofsho in other words, who am I I'm the person by this name, I live at this address, my parents are so and so I'm the guy that uh, I'm the guy that's uh, pretty good at basketball, not too good at baseball, I'm the guy that's good in uh, English and history, not so good at math. I'm the guy that likes fleshings, not militants. I'm the guy that was married to so-and-so and my kids are this. I'm the guy that has two cars. I'm the guy that, ha- that, that, uh, that has a house with uh, four bedrooms and a, and a den in a basement. I'm that guy. That's me. What else is there? What else could you tell me about you? I uh, finished college. I went to college and I finished in this year. And I went to yeshiva over there. and I went to, to, to Israel and I, uh, and, uh, I mean, on and on and on. Each and every one of us has, each and every one of us has a, a diary, written or unwritten, of all of the Chai Haguf, of all the years, of how we saw ourselves. I am that person. That's who I am. I'm the person. I'm the person that you know from college. I've changed a little bit, I've matured somewhat, I've gotten a little bit, uh, I've become a bigger baby, a bigger adult, whatever it is. But that's, that's essentially, that's me. That's who I am. So, Kolach Haim, he's Messiah himself, he identifies himself in this way, as a goof. Again, the Guf doesn't mean a person who's not intelligent, a very smart, educated, accomplished, successful, Charming, delightful, observant guf religious guf at the time of death. Lapasa suddenly hanishama guf the disengagement takes place and the nishama is on its own, it leaves the guf. Then suddenly, suddenly the person, this person, whatever his name, this person, Yaakov ben uh, Yaakov ben Saru, this Yaakov ben Saru, is without an identity. Without an identity. The identity has been stolen. You know, there's much talk of that nowadays, in the world, when someone, when someone somehow uses the through the computer. Through the computer or through through uh, somehow the credit card, people, it's called identity theft. When someone steals your identity, and uh, and they claim to be you, they got your social security number, they got you, they have other, other things, other papers, and as a result of that, there's somebody that's parading around the world as you. And that feeling, that is an unbelievably upsetting feeling that a person has, that there's somebody in the world that has taken your identity and you're left you have this feeling that you would that you are robbed of your identity and, and so who am i we're going back to Yankel and the mikveh i know who you are but who am i that feeling that feeling of being built a mizuha of i of being without an identity of being without an identity without an mitzis that is the feeling of the person who never lived in his neshama during his lifetime. He only had a chayah guf. He lived with his guf. The guf is gone. The guf is gone. And now he's in this mitziahs where he feel, feels bilti mezuhah. Nilkan kol mitsiyusa. You've taken everything from me. I have nothing left. I have nothing, nothing left. Because that's who I was. And I'm no longer. I'm no longer... And that's why we're terrified of dying. That's why much has been written. That's why my, uh, that's why people at a certain point begin to dread that. There are some people that start earlier than others. The eventuality of death is perceived as a loss of self. Because my identity is determined by that guy or that girl that's filling the pages of the diary. Of but beyond that, beyond that there is no mitzvah. I know there's neshama, but I don't I, I don't live with that I'm not familiar with that it. it's not my it's not me it's not me it's something different. <clears throat> I mentioned that that that, uh, that there was that there was this Michigan comedian who that he was saying once how how uh, he was making a, of course it was a, a joke that he was someplace and he fell off uh, he fell off a cliff and you know they say that when a person, when a person goes through something like that, then, he, then he, his life, his entire life, flashes in front of his eyes. So he was describing. Obviously, he was somehow saved and he, and, he, and he survived. But he was describing what happened when he fell off the cliff as he was descending. So he saw grandma and grandpa on the deck of the house by the grill. And uh, he saw whatever this and that and different things. And then he said that at some point, mid-flight or mid-descent, he realized that, that that couldn't possibly be him because, he, because he, he never had a deck. And those weren't his grandparents. And he said, Could you imagine? Uh, my life is so worthless that they had Rahmanis on me in Shemaim that they decided to flash somebody else's life in front of my eyes. Because my life is so boring, my life is so meaningless, that as a favor, when I was falling, they flashed somebody else's life in front of my eyes. So a person, a person, who's living in this world in such a way where beyond this world, beyond this world, it's somebody else's life. My life is this life that I'm in, Zehu. Anything other than this life, with my fleischigs, mulchigs, and my this and my that, my red string, anything other than this life is somebody else's life. It's not mine. That change in identity, or that identity theft, is called chibut hakev in the language of Chazal. That feeling of being without an identity. His entire mitzvah is gone. When the neshama leaves the body, Imha haneshama hulay mezua he does not identify with his neshama. He never did. He always said there's a neshama, but he never met it. He never lived with it. He never breathed it. Never, it was never him. So imhan neshama, and that's all he has now. So imha neshama hulay mzuhah. Ki hulay atzmai. Liz, says atzmai iman neshama. He never, during his life, accustomed himself to live with his neshama. Imha huma oid He's very connected to his goof. He's very connected to his guf. The only problem is, it's gone. It's drifted off into oblivion. It's gone. He doesn't have it. He is like a person from whom everything has been taken. Zehu I have nothing. Page Einstein this is the deeper meaning of the frightening mitzvahs that Chazal call the upheaval, the turmoil of the grave. There are other things that are involved in chibut Kever, other things. But as far as what we're learning to understand, the chibut is the turmoil, is that frightening, sudden, and deep realization. That the entire metzias that I once had is gone. That's harder than moving to a different firm. That's harder than moving to a new house. That's harder than 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 any divorce or marriage or anything else. That's harder. He has there's no substitute for the mitzvahs. He doesn't have any other mitzvahs. That's it. If while the person is alive, while the marriage is while the marriage is there between the neshama and the Gurf. He's able to learn how to live and breathe his nishama. He's introduced, not only introduced, but he becomes intimately connected to his nishama. It becomes who he is. He realizes that that beets him who he is. He's not the guy that's wearing that shirt or that, or that red string. He's not the guy that, that hits the ball further. Not the guy that says the funny joke at the, at the, at the bar mitzvah. He's, he, that's, he's his neshama. If he looks at himself in the true way that a person must look at himself, that the Nishama is the person, and the and the guf is a garment. Like Rabbi Nachman said, and I mentioned two weeks ago, when he was dying and everybody was standing around him crying, and Rabbi Nachman said, started to started to smile and he said that you're all so upset. He says, believe me, it's, to me it's nothing more than changing from one outfit into into another outfit. Death means nothing except taking off one garment for another garment. That's all. A person who lives with his neshama during these years of marriage to the goof. A person who lives that way. Then at the time of death, he will not have to go through the painful transition. The, the waking up without a guf. That's called chibot like the person who does not go through any trauma by changing his clothing at night, by taking his old clothing from the day and throwing them into the wash and putting on a pair of pajamas. So he takes off his clothing at night and he puts them into the, into the uh, washing machine. And he has a new, fresh comfortable beautiful lavush for the next day a new set of clothing for tomorrow there's not anything that's emotionally traumatic in any way upsetting or disturbing or scary about that at all it's a pleasant thing look this old this old garment has gotten uh, it's 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 gotten dirty. It doesn't smell so good like when it was when it was fresh. Person looks at his body, old and wrinkled, doesn't have the same uh, luster and freshness that it had when I was a child, when I when I was young. It's also been put through a rough time by its owner. I, I don't mean uh, marathons and uh, extra inning baseball games. All kinds of things are various the body has been the body has been hurt and damaged throughout all of the years the thought of putting on a clean fresh new garment in the morning is not upsetting it's not traumatic because it's still me it's me putting on a different garment like he has no difficulty at all in making this change. hayayim <laughs> he certainly if the shirt that he's wearing today, it's already very old, it could be eighty years old, ninety years old, it could be just the hundred and twentieth birthday of this l'hush, of this shirt, of this chutzah of this red string. <laughs> And the garment that you're going to be wearing tomorrow, the next day, is entirely, entirely fresh and entirely new. We have to continue There's much to do to learn how to how to identify ourselves, to see ourselves, as in the Shama that's mulbeches, the While at the same time, not ignoring the guf, but seeing it for what it is, that we should be zayichu in, 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 in the process of learning and trying and working on it, we should be zei'echa for for the time of the livshi ami that the entire Jewish people should be zei'echa to wear the levushim the precious garments of Yimaisa and of the Rulashnei Vamitis. Amen.